If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life podcast, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. And this week for the cold open, we're just going to go straight up with one of our recent headlines. Uh, Twitter is now owned by entrepreneur, millionaire, weirdo Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> what, if any, changes do you see coming to the platform? I think the big change is going to be just kind of like what's allowed and people coming back. I, I can understand people's um, fear. That makes sense of just how the platform is going to change. But at the same time, uh, if Elon Musk lets Twitter turn into 4chan, he's going to lose so much money. And I think he knows that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's going to be some type of contingent contingent with, you know, how accounts are held accountable for what they post and all that stuff on his free speech mumble right, right. like some things will change but i think for the most part a lot of people i follow won't be affected but it just seems that things could get a bit hectic than they already are yeah. and i think what people have to realize is that two things we're living in unprecedented time three of the biggest social media platforms are owned by billionaires which is not a good thing right um that's horrible secondly this isn't about free speech this is about power this is about mm-hmm. uh, the election he knows what he can do with the tool like twitter so exactly um, he wants to control the narrative exactly so um yeah that's what that's where i am with it i don't, I don't use twitter like that so but yeah <laughs> yeah and there were already reports that a thousand accounts were tweeting racial slurs minutes after right. he was made CEO. So the bots are coming. It's it just, yes. yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, I mean, I don't know who they said some celebrities had left Twitter's like celebrities were never, never made Twitter anyway. So, right. And to be fair, like where have you been? If you've not already seen the racism, everything on Twitter. exactly yeah so but yeah that's where we are (laughs) Mm -hmm. and with that let's get into our what's news so first up in some sad news i think i saw this coming but showtime has canceled city on the hill after three seasons um i figured a fourth was very was a big if i guess you'd say um yeah so I think it ended on a good note. I, each season was, you know, a new story anyway. So there wasn't any like massive cliffhanger, but um, right, right. I had to see it go. But in some good news, Aldous Hodge, who was the star of the series, has landed a new role at Amazon in their Alex Cross series based on James Patterson's novel. So He'll be taking on the role of Alex Cross has been portrayed by uh, Morgan Freeman twice on film and then Tyler Perry in 2012. Um, <laughs> but uh, Cross is a um, detective and forensic 
psychiatrist or pathologist, whatever they call it, who, you know, saw some of the heinous murders um, and chases certain serial killers. So he was seen in um, Kiss the Girls with as Freeman, as yeah. well as the sequel, Along Came a Spider. And yes. then um, the 2012 film Axe Cross with Tyler Perry was like a reboot or whatever. Um, but this will be a series. And I think Hodge will do a great job. He's an excellent actor. Yeah, I was just about to say that. He's a really good actor that's still, in a way, kind of underrated. Mm -hmm, um, definitely. Overlooked. But yeah, he's 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 very good. So. Yeah. So I'll for that. Definitely looking for that, yes. Um, and then... Speaking of Twitter and whatnot, we've had the drama with, you know, the man formerly known as Kanye West, oh, um, his anti-Semitic anti uh, anti comments um, lost him plenty of endorsements and contracts with big label labels and brands, which now he's no longer a billionaire. Okay. Um but it also has been paired with the recent comments or posts from NBA player Kyrie Irving. Um, he had posted a film on his Instagram that promotes um, anti-Semitism as well. I'm not sure what the film was, but he was saying like, I don't agree with that part of the movie, but the other stuff I do. And it's like, sir, it's one as a whole. Like you don't say you agree with Duke on christian values but not his racism that's not the way it works it's like this whole thing about i saw something about, about blacks being like the first jews or something and i don't know but yeah that's a, a long lineage of hotepianism that comes out of some weird sector of black men usually those who i don't know gone to prison and then have not had their mental health checked i, I don't know it's very strange like yeah even like Kendrick Lamar has trailed some of that verbiage right, right. and stuff like that. So it's very, it's niggerdom. Okay. That's just it, what it's getting. It's given very bad though, because um, the wrong people are, are latching going to this and lapping it up and mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. And it's bringing up the greater conversation of like, people who claim to be free thinkers. And I saw someone tweet, it's amazing how these quote unquote free thinkers continue to share the exact same commentary. Right, right. Is <laughs> never a free thinker who thinks, you know, capitalism is bad or that we should, you know, exercise our right to vote. It, it's just like the same stuff right same stuff the same mode same mo same rhetoric and it's all because they are chasing that white male privilege that they they're not privy to yeah and um, they're never going to reach exactly and just, with oh go somebody ahead somebody remind them i was just gonna say somebody needs to remind them that ever for every time like you are a black a negroid you are all these different things <laughs> you're not going yes. to be them Yes, and chasing that is not going to fulfill whatever you think needs to be filled. Like Kanye is now apologizing to the black community for his comments in the White Lives Matter shirt. That's just because they done cut your money off again. Yeah. Come he on, did the bro. same thing with Trump. Like once Trump turned him away or whatever, he came crawling back and we took him back. It's, it's not going to work like that anymore. It can't. Right, right. So I don't know. I don't know how Kyrie stays on that team. Like, 
because they're not winning. And if right. they were, it's still a major distraction. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's getting bad. It's 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 tiring too. That's the one thing. It's just every day with this. Like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Please come up with something else. <laughs> uh, and then we'll finish with some good news. Industry was renewed for its third season. Uh, this is the HBO Max original yeah. series. Um, I'm excited because the second season definitely ended on a OMG moment. So I'm glad we're getting to see where it goes next. Um, it's it's sort of like the little mini sort of millennial succession, if you yeah. will, Gen Z succession. Uh, so I'm sure that will come sometime next year, hopefully. But I'm not sure. And then I saw this uh, headline was pretty surprised. Shelly Duvall is returning to acting after being absent for about 20 years. Yeah, that's very surprising. Yes. Um, you know, it was just not too long ago they did an article on her hiatus and what sort of drove her away from Hollywood. Uh, a multitude of things that we can't really cover right now. But she's returning in a film called The Forest Hills. Is an indie horror thriller from Scott Goldberg. And um, I think she's sort of like will be um she's set to play the mother of one of the characters who serves as his inner voice. So I'm not sure if she'll be on screen. Uh, okay, I got you. Or not, but it's a film credit which she hasn't had since yeah. What was that show on PBS she was in? Masterpiece Theater. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with her, she was in The Shining, Popeye, um, Annie Hall. Yeah. She 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 was a very acclaimed actress and Yeah, she was she was like an it girl too for a while. Yes, and uh for reasons unknown, I think some of it was just her own health and things like that. She did sort of disappear, but she'll be returning. Um to film so i'll definitely i don't know if i'll ever i don't know if that movie's come to richmond but i definitely want to see it so very exciting there um sadly we lost a very um popular actor and comedian and just a personality in leslie jordan last week um the actor was 67 years old and fortunately he suffered a medical emergency while driving in la and was in a fatal accident. Um, that was just one of those like, oh my gosh! Like he, he's how had always been working, but in recent years he kind of came more popular during the pandemic on Instagram. Right. Had guest roles here and there, um, most famously on Will and Grace, and he was currently on the show Call Me Cat on Fox. So definitely a major loss to the industry. Yeah, I was not uh aware that he was in um uh what is it was it was it will and grace yeah yeah kind of just kind of like a reoccurring character i didn't mm. didn't realize that but um i also i don't know how old i thought he was but i thought he was older than 67 for some reason i'm not sure why but yeah i think he just grayed really early like he was yeah. great back on will and grace um but yeah he he seemed seemed to be just a pleasurable person no one had anything bad mm -hmm. to say about him and i guess the week before he had just purchased his first home like yeah that's what they said 
which is, you know, just the timing is just really sad. Um, yeah. But he brought a lot of people joy, and that's the way people remembered him. So rest in peace, Leslie Jordan. That covers the headlines. We'll go ahead and get into our feature presentation. So we're closing out Halloween this year, and we want to focus on sort of a um, well-known trope that's become a staple in the horror genre, uh, that of the final girl. And I think this is more of a contemporary concept because early horror, I'm pretty sure women tended to be more of the victims. They, yeah, they died often and violently, like in the slasher films of like the 70s and stuff. Yeah, so even back to, you know, the days of Hitchcock and everything else, like women did not survive. And if they did, they were maimed or any they didn't fare well we'll just say they didn't fare well at all so um that started to change i think within the 70s and 80s as new sort of came into horror and we have the final girl which um in horror films particularly slasher movies refers to the last girl or girl woman alive to confront the killer and left to tell the story so not only are they maybe the main character they survive um, and live on to, you know, the inevitable sequels and whatnot. So right. um, some of uh, the most iconic, well-known Final Girls is, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis' Laurie Strode um, in the Halloween series. Um, you have Nev Campbell um, as Sydney in the Scream series. Yep. You have, um, I think her name is... I think the character's name is Nancy from Friday the Thirteenth, not Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I think it is Nancy. Um, that's the Freddy Krueger films, and that's actresses Heather Legend Camp. So, the, it just sort of became more popular and sort of became a beacon of a genre, a subculture within the horror genre. Right. So. Um, just off the bat, who are some of your favorite final girls? Um, well, I like you said, I think Nev Campbell has to take the mm-hmm. well for me the cake. Those movies were kind of very I saw those before I ever saw Halloween. You know right. what I mean? So right. those were my slasher films growing up with. And at the same time, um, you know, you can say whatever about her acting ability, but Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I know what she did last summer when she was, I think, Julie's something was her name in that mm-hmm. um i think uh who else you can kind of even step outside of traditional horror and go to like something like alien with um sigourney weaver sigourney weaver her character too because you know she has a crew and then she eventually makes it to the end and i think she'd count and of course like you said um jamie lee curtis so Right. Yeah, I think those have to be among the top ones for me. Yes, definitely. Um, for me, like like you said, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I know what you did last summer in the sequel. Nev Campbell is really the '90s Laurie exactly. Strode. Yeah. Like she carried that that saga, and it was sort of like a resurgence of the classic slasher. Because I think exactly. by the 
early eight, no, late 80s, early 90s, like the slasher film had just sort of integrated to Freddy and Jason just killing people. Like there was no right. survivor, quote unquote, and Scream sort of returned us to that classic um, storytelling. And of course, I'm glad you mentioned Weaver because she is sort of like a definitive final girl and right, sort of right. like a uh feminist icon because yeah back then women were not leading action films they weren't leading yeah. genre films um and they weren't surviving so yeah and she that's was not- much more i was gonna say she is much more than an accessory in that film she was like you know she was the main character right exactly and that's another sort of um discussion within the final girl how this sort of changed women's stance in horror, in the horror genre and society. You had these strong, complicated, confident women who weren't, you know, the damsel in distress. They were handling their own against forces of evil, mostly men. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Right, right. Supernatural or not, um, and living to tell the tale. Right. Um, I would. Even... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, what I was just going to say, and yeah, and it kind of differed because they were being um, obviously chased by a killer and that and that, but, you know, decades before the 90s, one of the main tropes was like, before a woman could get her revenge in a movie, she had to have been assaulted, whether just physically or like sexually assaulted or something, and exactly saw that all the time, and then in the 90s, it was just like, she was like, all right, you know, no more of this shit, let me just boot up and do what I gotta do so yeah it was a big switch yeah yeah that was definitely uh, a central part because we know there's always been some sort of string of sexual tension in horror even if it's right, not right. very explicit um it's it's just under the surface so yes whether the woman was you know attacked or suffered some great trauma that made her the central figure was definitely uh, a trope. I would even suggest, um, speaking of Final Girls, like, um, even though they were, happened to be the antagonist as well, the craft in 1996 sort of pushed forward a totally different type of Final Girl um, or Final Girls in, in those characters. Um, Nev Campbell was in that as well, but you had Robin Tooney as sort of like the the uh, champion um, at that end of the film. Like all the girls do survive one way or another, but it was just like a different take on the final girl. Right, and I think that's really an interesting point that you say there because um, while these are horror films that we're speaking about, they do the final girl trope goes past that. You can think about teen movies where, you know, it's not that, but there's one girl that comes out to be on top. She becomes, you know, she goes through all her trials and tribulations and boom, she's the last one kind of surviving without getting in trouble. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Yeah. And I think we're definitely in a new age of new final girls. Florence Pugh seems to be like the new. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah new uh femme fatale to defeat you know the horrors in different films midsummer don't worry darling like she's becoming sort of that that type of girl 
Um, so yeah, a whole new generation will embrace not only reboots of Scream and Halloween and stuff, but new horror, uh, yeah. horror women to champion for and root for. So yeah. That's our discussion on The Final Girl, and when we come back, we'll get to our streams of the week. All right, so the week of the 20... What is it? What was this week? <laughs> the 17th, 23rd, basically. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we both plan to watch a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff out and life had other plans, but let's discuss what we did watch. Um, over at Netflix, we have the new uh, next set of episodes for Unsolved Mysteries. Um, were we able to watch that? Yeah, I watched those three, yeah. Okay. So um, they had kind of like the same type of setup, like two true crimes and one supernatural type of story um excuse me so the first story was that of now i'm forgetting oh my gosh i don't remember the title but it focused on no was the buffalo bill guy right yeah this was a guy out in las vegas yeah yes so he was a famous sort of personality um local wrestler sort of like uh, organized on wrestling uh Lee uh yeah. seemed to be uh just just a a well-known yeah. guy within the Las Vegas community exactly. um, he had friends on like city council like he was just just a known guy sort of like a like a unofficial mayor of the the community out there um and one evening he leaves his home that he shares with his teenage daughter to go meet up with a friend or something and he doesn't return the next day and they found him deceased in a hotel room and they ruled it as a simple uh overdose when they told they <clears throat> excuse me his family and friends detailed that he he was a recovering addict but he never touched the stuff again so it was very out of right. character for him so they think um or they they're hypothesizing that his death must have been related to some type of mob ties uh yeah. within the city. What were your thoughts on on this case? The episode it was interesting and um I don't know to me at least it seemed pretty cut and dry because there was nobody missing. They were in contact with the woman that was with him last. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy that worked next to him who was had the mob ties, he was out of jail and still free and they he just decided not to comment so yeah it, i don't know that one seemed like there weren't many loose ends so yeah it seemed very strange um i don't know like a possible setup it, it just seemed like everything was mom no one wanted to speak exactly um yeah it's very sad that i felt very sad for his his daughter because she she loved him like she was not only yeah like his his daughter but like one of his best friends and it seemed like he was a genuinely nice guy um definitely upsetting and then the second one was the paranormal rangers now this one was quite interesting just because of 
uh, the the setup of who was telling it and how they sort of chronicle these incidents with, you know, this alleged Bigfoot creature uh, right. in in that area in the Navajo reservation and stuff like that. I thought this was very interesting. Yeah, it was it was definitely different than just some dudes out in the forest seeing um, Bigfoot or something. Yeah, the right. tradition and the stories and the history. And it's really interesting how all every culture has something similar to this. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. kind of these these sort of tales. But um, yeah, no, it, it was, I, I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, and just thinking about sort of the, um, not tall tales, but the traditional tales that they told in Reservation Dog that's related to their culture, mm-hmm. you see how this could very well well be true like these first person accounts and you know the video footage and it's felt more compelling i would say right than you know barbara ann and johnny boy down at the trailer park or whatnot you know bigfoot right in detroit no he would not be in detroit like right (laughs) a hairy man um, and then the last one was, I think, was, again, sort of like the most compelling. Um, yeah. I definitely don't remember this story, but then again, oh. it's in middle school. So, but the case of um, Josh, was it Guimon? Yeah, I think they, per- I, I heard them pronounce it Guimon, almost. Because like, they were from, like, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. But yes, he was a student of, um, what was that, St. John's? Yeah. Up in Wisconsin. Um, variable, likable guy. He was studying political science. Um, but his parents, all his friends believed he would have been a presidential candidate once he came to of age. Like um he left a party one evening and was never seen again. Like just like that. And yeah. at the time they tried to connect it with two other um, college student males who disappeared on college campuses in the same state. And it turned out that they, those two men were eventually found. It's going to be a case of just sort of drunken. And yeah. They drowned. Drowned. Like they thought, yeah, yeah, thought, the, yeah. There's like a, there's like a massive lake in the middle of the campus. Yeah. They, and they sort of tumbled and drowned because they recovered their body. They recovered their bodies, but with Josh, Days turned to weeks and months. Nobody was recovered. Um, and what what did you think of some of the, sort of the allegations surrounding what they think may have happened to him? So, I think there. I think there's. Well, how's it? I think there may be some truth to the whole AIM thing of him being this person on. Um, online and maybe trying to meet men and I know his friends and family said oh well we didn't you know we don't think he's gay we didn't think that was a thing but I think that may be more likely than what they want to believe you know what I mean yeah yeah because not only was you know the stuff I guess someone attempted to wipe the computer and maybe that was him before he left I don't know but the things they did find on the hard drive later with better technology, like he was in, you know, chat rooms 
uh frequently frequent by uh gay men so that could have been something he was harboring and it made sense as to why he suddenly leaves the party unannounced and then like that couple says they walked past and they turned around he was gone right and then nobody found so we're not sure what happened to him but like his his mother said you know it's okay if he had secrets. Like, I don't care. You know, that's my son. I just want to know what happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the part with the um, the church on the campus, because it's sort of like a Christian yeah. school, they said they didn't find any evidence that he was investigating, like, the sexual allegation or sexual abuse cases. But then, but then the bloodhound found his scent in there and it right. stopped there it was yeah so i don't know i mean i mean anyone would be upset about that but maybe perhaps the person he was meeting was one of the clergymen or one of the yeah the people and something went wrong or or something yeah. of that nature because like the mother said like they weren't talking they and they don't yeah, and, they never do and, Right. And that's exactly what she said. She said, if it was somebody from the church part of the school, they would never know. So, yeah. yeah. And just hor- horribly sad. Oops. Yeah. Very sad. So, we'll, I guess we get three more episodes. And those, those previews look very <laughs> intense. Yeah, man. And those are, so those come out Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, along with Unsolved Mysteries at Netflix, we got uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, yes. um, which dropped two episodes a day between the 25th and the 28th. Um, did you get to check any of these out? I watched the first two and a half. So the Lot 36, the Cemetery Rats, and then half of the Autopsy. Okay, I was able to get to episode, I wrote it down, hold on. Wait a minute. I think episode six. So I've got two left, but um, yeah, I think I, I mean, they're they're interesting, they're good. You know, some are better than others since there's eight altogether. Um, what did you think of the ones you watched so far? The Lot 36, uh, Graveyard Rats, and the Autopsy so far? I, I'd i say the Autopsy, even though I watched half of it, is the best one so far. And then uh, um, the Graveyard Rats was kind of funny, just kind of a humorous story, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But then the first one, I felt like, has such so much more potential and then it just went in a strange direction. What was the point of him being um, kind of hateful and racist? What did that have to do with anything? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was kind of strange. I'm I like I saw some commentary around that and it was like questioning, you know, white rage and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, but mm. I, I don't know. Did, I guess I don't know. I guess his I guess they use that to justify yeah, his, not opening the door. So his comments, I guess. But it was it felt sort of like, okay, he's a bad person, the bad thing's gonna happen to him. Right. But yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was good performances, but that one felt mm-hmm. a little yeah. 
Um, you know, Graveyard Rats was funny. Um, and it was definitely <laughs> the most horrific because nobody likes mm -hmm. rats. And that no. rat took me out. Like <laughs> I was so confused. And then the Wish McCart, when that thing came to life in the little chamber, and it was like, that's mine or whatever. That I I initially had to jump. I was like, oh Jesus. And did you notice that the creature in Lot 36? seem to resemble that statue in the graveyard rats like not the thing that chased him but the thing at the that was like made out of gold or whatever yeah 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 and i don't know it could be a, a recurring thing right i noticed like not specifically but a lot of the creatures in the series tend to have well in the early episodes snap tentacles and stuff and sort of like kalutha looking mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and the autopsy that was one of my favorites, I think, yeah. because um, just the mystery behind it and where it ends up, yeah. Like I said, I'm only halfway through, but so far, it's it generally kind of creepy, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily need like monsters per se, but just enough eeriness right. really gets me. Um, and then You'll have the outside, which is which is sort of another comical one. Um, Pikmin's model was definitely more gore horror. I didn't really get. I kind of got it and kind of did it. And then Dreams in the Witch House was a little. It was okay. Rupert, um, what's his name? Grunt. Grant. Uh, Grant. Yeah, Rupert Grant. Yeah. Yeah. He he has a good performance in it. It gets a little kooky kind of midway with the graphics. But um Yeah, that's the thing. They they at least they just don't seem to hold all the way through to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, still seven and eight left. Um, but I wouldn't mind something like this each year at Halloween, because Yeah, that could be good. It's interesting to get getting the different perspectives from the different directors and right. writers. But yeah, so far I really enjoy the autopsy, graveyard rats, and the outside. So yeah, that's on Netflix. And then at HBO Max, we had the season finale of House of the Dragon, um, entitled The Black Queen. So with episode nine, the Green Council, we saw the High Towers falsely uh, usurp Rhaenyra with Aegon as king on the Iron Throne, and Rhaenys leaving King's Landing to return to Dragonstone to inform Rhaenyra of her father's passing and of her throne being given away. Right. So with the Black Queen, she's gathering her allies to sort of form a stronghold to sort of contest the new king. Um, we've got Corliss, who has survived. He, as the king of the Narrow Sea, um, has aligned with Rhaenyra, which means they have, you know, the navy behind them, which is very good. Um, Damon, who is all ready to burn everything down, is seeking to sort of amass their dragon in, uh, infantry. And the last thing Renera has to do is sort of reach out to the other houses, you know, like House Winterfell, 
uh, house storming some other houses to make sure they continue with their oath to uh, acknowledge her as the proper queen. And this is where thing goes left. <laughs> um, so up, up until that point, what did you think of the episode? I, I thought it was interesting. I I think because of the buildup of the last few episodes, I thought this one was just going to be all out fisticuffs. You know, I thought there's going to be, you know, fire everywhere, shit blowing up, but it wasn't. It was a very slow build. And, um, but it was kind of interesting just to see the tension. And Jesus, the pregnancy scenes in this show are so long. That was, the, I mean, that's, I guess that's the point, but that was such an uncomfortable scene once again. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I forgot to mention Rhaenyra is pregnant again. And the news of not only her father's death, but that her throne was stolen sends her to early labor and she ends up losing the child. It's born, uh, stillborn. Um, and she literally pulls out herself, like... Yeah, just... And, and again, it goes... It, reeks back to the first episode when her late mother was like the womb is our battlefield like giving birth is our war in this right, way yeah and sadly it's the same thing today like as much as technology has advanced too many women suffer through childbirth right. and people are like oh it's too graphic oh this is too much but the women in the writers' room, writers' room were like, "We need this to be explicit because people have misconceptions of what childbirth is and how large of an ordeal it is, how life and death it is for many women." So yeah, she lost a child and her father, um, and she sends her sons, uh, Jaceris and Lucerus, Lucerus, out to. Um, these other houses to make sure that, you know, they keep their oath to her and Lucerus is sent to Storm End um, where he's supposed to speak to Lord Boros, I believe, um, to make sure that yeah. he'll still bend the knee and send allegiance to Rhaenyra. So when he gets there, of course, um, uh, Volgar, is that the dragon's name? Yeah, like Vargar or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, Vulgar is outside, which means that Aemon Targaryen, the uh, nephew or uncle, whatever, is already there. So he's sort of got gotten a head step ahead of Luke. Um, and Luke exchanges with Lord Boros, and Boros is like, no, Rhaenyra just can't come here empty-handed, wanting my allegiance for nothing. So, you know, Leek says he'll take that to the queen, but Aemon is not satisfied. Again, he wants an eye for an eye. And Lord Boris says, not in my chamber. He won't draw blood here. Let the boy go back to his dragon. He's just a messenger. And we all know that Aemon was not going to let that ride. So we have basically a horror scene. <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, like the way they crafted this scene felt like something out of a horror movie. You had Luke and his little dragon, Erex, being chased by uh, Aemon and the largest and oldest dragon in the realm. And unfortunately, we're reminded again that the dragons are not to be controlled. Like, yes, right. the Targaryens are known to have the dragons, 
but these are still wild beasts. Right. And they both lose control of their dragons. Uh, Luke, Luke's dragon, you know, sends fire, spits fire unprovoked at Vulgar, um, which causes Vulgar to go wild and Aemon is trying to get them back under control. And we rise above the storm. Luke feels like he's safe and uh, Vulgar kills him and the dragon in one bite. Um, And that's that. That's how the war begins because <laughs> no blood was supposed to be shed. There was no... Right. He was supposed to survive just in the message and come home. Like... And that last shot of Renera receiving the news of her son's death is where we end season one and where season two will begin the dance of the dragons. So what were your thoughts on the season as a whole? It was good. I think it started off slow. I, I think from the way that it was advertised, honestly, I thought that we were going to see, um, oh, well, no, I can't think of their name, but Either way, Olivia Cook and um, oh, Millie Ashcock. I thought we were going to see them like more. I thought we were going to see them like starting off from the beginning. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that the younger characters were going to younger actors would be there so long. But uh, but yeah, it 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 picked up. I would say about episode three, and from there it was solid. Yeah, yeah, a lot of folks were. Uh, contemplate whether they like the time jumps or not. I didn't mind them because that's the way they wanted to tell the story. So, right, right. But yeah, I thought the season was very good. It it's done well with viewers. Um, many were questioning whether folks would want to return to Game of Thrones given the way that series ended. Um, and you know, people are responding with a resounding yes, like they're they're here for it. So. Um, we'll get begin second season, and fortunately, that won't be coming until twenty twenty four. So yeah, that's the bad thing. We have a long time to wait. Um, and then I watched a movie on HBO Max, Barbarian, which came out uh earlier this year. It's a horror movie starring Regina, not Regina, Georgina Campbell, um, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. And um, it was good until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so the premise is uh, Georgina Campbell's character um, is attending a drive interview in Detroit and she rents an Airbnb, but turns out someone's already there as I guess the renter double booked. Um, and that person's Bill Skarsgård. Uh, and of course, uh, Campbell's character is questionable about staying there, but it's raining. She has nowhere else to go. So um, Bill offers to sleep on the couch while he lets her sleep in the bed. And her name is Tess. His name is Keith. Um, everything seems to be fine um, until some weird things start to happen, like her doors open in the middle of the night and viewers see other things are questionable. Um and she leaves to go to her job interview, comes back, and some things are weird. Keith is missing. Like, 
she doesn't know where he's at. Um, and mysteriously, she discovers this. She discovers a secret door in the basement that leads to these series of tunnels. And I'll leave it at that. Um, like I said, it started really well. It built tension great. Um, the the horror is fun. Like, it's generally scary. But where it leads to, what by the time Justin Long is introduced into the story, and where it leads to the end, it gets a little murky and messy and kind of falls apart. Um, they were trying to say something important, and it just didn't work. So, like, the last 20 minutes or so, you're like, huh? Yeah, I've heard pretty middle-of-the-road things about it, kind of like what you're telling me, that it was good, and then it was this and that. So, I don't know, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out, I suppose. Yeah, but it's, it's on HBO Max. It's not too long, either, about an hour and some change. But um, I was with it until it kind of took a left turn, and then you're like, there's like a backstory it gives you and kind of comes full circle, but you're like, this just, just doesn't fit with, there was a better story to be told there if some of that stuff was left out. Right, right, right. Over at Hulu, have you, have you continued to watch AHS? I have, I have stick, I'm sticking with it. it, it I, I like it because it's not super, super natural. So, and it um, seems to be okay. Did you watch these latest two? I have not been able to catch up. I, I suddenly watched the second episode. That two-night two thing is really throwing me yeah, off. That's tough. Like, like I say, I don't watch it when it comes on. I wait until it's on Hulu, and then I'll watch it, like, the next day, like, the next night or something. But um, I got to be honest, I cannot completely remember what happens. Oh, well, they go and they try to catch Zachary Quinto and they confront him about keeping the guy in the cage and that he could be the person that they're looking for. And while they're doing that, he almost outs the cop. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so the, he knows. And then the cop and him have another tiff and the cop and his partner get into it again. And um uh, Billy Lord's character, the doctor, kind of comes back into play, and we go into this whole thing about the disease again. I cannot remember the source of the disease. It oh, it was tested. It wasn't the whole thing. Is that this? I'm not sure how they're trying to play this, but this disease is from the government. Like it's government testing that was used as was going to use going to be used as like a biological weapon. And oh, that's wow. when I was like, oh, Jesus, Ryan Murphy, what's going on now? But um, um, but other than that, yeah, it was kind of tame. More people died and they got further into the case, but it just doesn't seem like they're really any closer to catching the killer. The killer. And once again, uh, Big Daddy is still there, whether he's a real person or uh, a figment of everybody's imagination is yet to be determined so but I, I like i said i'm gonna write it out see where it goes because uh it is kind of the, the lack of the supernatural element is kind of keeping me intrigued okay. watch it, so. 
Okay, I'll definitely try to catch up. I should have time this week. And then I totally forgot to watch Sherman Showcase. I know it came back. Yeah. Um, it's hard to even begin <laughs> to talk about this show because it's, uh, I guess it's like a mockumentary type show and it's a sketch show, but just this past, the first episode was silly. I'm not a mockumentary, but kind of just a sketch show. Um, so like I said, Sherman's back and they're talking about everything and there's some musical acts and there's just so much going on but one of the funniest scenes one of the funniest sketches is that all the women that have been involved with diddy p diddy sean combs mm -hmm. in a relationship or music wise are devising this plan to sneak into his house so they've got members of danity kane they've got cassie they've got mary j blise they've got little kim who is played by somebody that's six four it's it's just <laughs> silly man it's just it's so silly and they absolutely no sense but um yeah it's it's hilarious you gotta watch that and you'll you that sketch more than any other one you i think you'll find hilarious so okay i'll definitely have to get into it i just time keeps slipping away for me in the words yes. of casey and jojo so it's it's so much and then um the second season of documentary now premiered last week and this is a show that's i think produced and written by fred armison and bill Hader. and this is a mockumentary so they take like kind of documentaries and make it into like a humorous type of thing like the first episode of the first season was uh a play on gray gardens um mm. and they just turn it into a humorous thing and it's silly kind of sly humor that you have to be paying attention to to, to catch but this past episode had um <laughs> kate blanchett in it and it was, it was pretty good so yeah gotcha gotcha all right so for our pick six what what would you say be some of the best things you watch this past okay. week i'll go from best to the best thing i watched was the House of the Dragon finale, even though I wanted, you know, some action, I would say that it was definitely the best. Um, I put Sherman's Showcase second, and then I think Unsolved Mysteries. It it was good, but it didn't hit like that first three. So we'll see where yeah. the next three take us. Yeah, I will say House of the Dragon um unsolved mysteries and then cabinet of curiosities as a whole it's 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 interesting if these were like separate movies it'd be different you know what i mean like right, right but together it's very interesting the performances are good like the the casting he's yeah, yeah he's yeah. gathered have been pretty exceptional um so yeah and then streaming for the weekend um of course We'll continue watching Unsolved Mysteries. I'm going to try to watch The Good Nurse. Okay. Again, it slipped away. And then people keep talking about Wendell and Wild, um, the stop animation horror film from the director of Coraline that also stars Jordan Peele and Michael Keegan Key. Okay. That's on um, that as well. I don't know if you watched the first season of it, but uh which one call it comes on tonight? 
the second season of White Lotus on HBO. Yes, I forgot to put that. I'm going to I'm gonna watch this season. And the thing is you don't have to know what happened in the first season because the characters aren't reoccurring and the story is completely different. And the only preview I read about this one is that it's a lot that two things, Aubrey Plaza is incredible in it and will probably be up for Emmy. And that it's it's much sexier. Like when they said last season you didn't know who done it and anybody could have killed anybody. This one is more of a, you know, anybody could have sex with anybody. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll see. see yeah, the, the the commentary I've seen so far about it, it explores like sexual politics. So right, right. Like um, Marco Impor- Imperioli's character seems to be a philanderer. Like he's just yeah. out here having sex with everybody. Um, and then you have the married couples that are friends and sort of like how basically how couples operate and what's attractive. And then um, the, the Italian um, natives, the two women who sort of get involved with Michael Imperioli's character. So yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in, in how they, they approach this topic. I will, I'll be honest with you. Last season was really good, but I when it started, I didn't expect it to take off the way that it did. I didn't mm-hmm. expect people to be so into it. So, right. And then I want to see either Till or Tar this weekend. If either of them are at the theater, oh, yeah. Yeah. so I've heard a lot of good things about Tar. So. Right, right. It's going to be a very tight. It's always a tight woman's race. Like the men. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's always one standout in the men, but yeah, the, the women usually bring it. Yeah. So we'll we'll definitely have to see how that goes. We thank you for listening to another edition of Is the Trimble Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Um feel free to share with others. Give us a review. It helps boost the show. And um, be tuned in for next week when we discuss Blonde. I didn't realize it was out yet. So (laughs) I need to watch it. (laughs) Until then, keep on streaming. Peace.